Hi everybody, just a quick programming note. We wanted to inform everyone that this episode is one of the two episodes that we recorded back in early March, or what the Firekeepers refer to as the before four times. We wanted to assure our audience that we are currently quarantining, social distancing, and hand washing on a regular basis. Enjoy the episode. Take it away, Pasta Motto. Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. Yes, speaking of old material, we have Dom back. Woo! (laughs) Wow, that's harsh. I'm just so sorry you guys had nothing to do for three weeks. I mean, it must have been terrible for you guys not doing any podcasts and just sitting there waiting in silence for me to come back. Uh, Yeah, Uh, we really... Struggle. <laughs> I mean, we might have done some podcasts, but the fanfics probably weren't very good because well, I, I don't remember them at all. You, you did some podcasts? No, 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 never, but never without you. I, I wasn't there though, so how how could you? That's a good question. <laughs> how could we? We definitely didn't do that, and completely unrelatedly, we're going to skip a few numbers in our episode numbering. Okay. So this is what episode? <laughs> I don't know at this point. Uh, we'll figure it out later. <laughs> But yeah, you are back from performing in um, one of Shakespeare's plays that is not a fanfic, unfortunately. It's not Romeo and Juliet, not Macbeth. It's mm. kind of a fanfic. Is it? Is it based on a source material? Mm, it's based on Oberon and Titania, whatever that fairy lore is. Yeah. yeah, but that's lore. That's not like a work. Right. It's not like whatever, the romance of Julie and... Roman, I don't know, right. whatever their names are. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's based more in an oral tradition narrative about, yeah, the fairies, so... Yeah. He also referenced, yeah. um, what was it, Aegeus and Hippolyta? That's part of some Greek myths? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, but myths, unless there's, like, an author you can peg it to, I've got a fairly expansive definition of fan fiction, but it still falls outside okay. of it. Okay, in the play, yeah. they do a play of uh, Pyramus and Thisbe. Which is an actual play, but that mm. so that could be considered fan fiction. Wait, but if it's... you write original fiction and have someone do a fanfic inside of it, what is the status of that work? I think it depends on how word for word the creative work is from the original work. If it's if it's directly the same, then it's just lifted and used as material. Right. But if you remix it, then you can argue that's something new. I think that there's. Yeah, if there's an, a component that falls within the fan fiction purview within the story, you can call that like a mini fic, like mm. a mini fanfic inside a larger work of fiction. But you can't just call the whole work fan fiction just because no. it contains a reference at some point that's fictionalized. So you say it has a fanfic in it. It has a fanfic in it. It, it may, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, regardless, <laughs> uh, we have you back this week, Dom, for a very special episode. More special than others. No, I guess the same special. <laughs> it's not that special, really. Forget it. Let's just go home. <laughs> that sounds good, yeah. No, we're, we're talking about another big-name Harry Potter fanfiction. Because the Harry Potter fandom scene is just so dense that you can just skim the cream off the top and there's still a lot more cream. Yeah, apparently by what we've read, every fi- Harry Potter fanfic is has just great quality well (laughs) i mean i think the only one that i chose that was not like super famous was the the comedy one what's it called the the hagrid one oh yeah the Mm -hmm. 
beast and their fantastic beasts and fantasticness. No. Maybe about where yeah. to find them. That sounds yes. like the title of that fanfic we read. Yeah. No, harmless and easily domesticated. That was it. Yes, yeah. the the rating of the beast. <laughs> but no, the what we're reading today is at least the first half of the Paradigm of Uncertainty, which was one of the big name early fanfics. Hmm. And for example. It's the same breath, the same kind of era, the same amount of bigness as Draco Dormian's. And the author of this fanfic, Lori, um, is kind of grouped together and was in, you know, communication or some kind of little community with Cassandra Clare at the time. There's a couple other authors that were sort of in that little group of famous fanfic writers back in the day. And speaking of back in the day, this fanfic was published on a Yahoo group <gasps> originally. That's how old we're talking. In, wow. like, April 2000. I just got uh, middle school D&D game flashbacks. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm still waiting for them to send us, like, send me my links for, like, downloading the whole Yahoo group. You had to, like, submit a, hey, send this to me before you delete everything. And they're like, yeah, we'll get back to you. <laughs> and then give you a big batch download link. Would you want that, though? I, I feel like I might want it someday. We had some comedy bits on there, didn't we? Um, we had some comedy, I'm doing air quotes, bits. Mm. Yes, we did. Right. <laughs> I like how you explained I mean, we were... your air quotes to the audience. <laughs> we were in middle and high school, so trust me, it wasn't good. But it was us, so you know. I don't know. <laughs> some of the stuff that I go back to from middle and high school that I wrote or music I made is actually pretty decent. Mm. Maybe not as funny. <laughs> Might be a different category. But. So, was this author big in the scene before this, or...? Uh, there was no scene before this. Oh. This is from what fan lore describes as... Uh, where is it? Like... An influence and an inspiration for a number of other early classics in Harry Potter fandom. Influence and inspiration for Draco Dormians and some other of those, like, hmm. big-name ones. Uh, somewhere else in fan lore was talking about, like the fandom kind of coalescing and lots of people going online looking for stuff, but it was still kind of forming. This, uh, do you know when April 2000 was in terms of the release of the Harry Potter books? It's in the beginning of the, on the website. Um, spoilers, names of books, written between Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix. Yes and no, because it started coming out before mm -hmm. Goblet of Fire came out. Before Goblet of Fire. Yeah, I was checking. I, I double-checked this. I checked it twice. I made my yeah. list. It... The fanfic was started in April 2000, and, you know, the Yahoo group was too. And Goblet of Fire came out in, like, May or, like, June or something. Summer. Yeah. Summer. So, like, it, I mean, most of it was written when Goblet of Fire was out, but it was not conceived or started when Goblet of Fire was out. Well, there's something interesting in the author's notes that happens after the point we were supposed to read, too. But I feel like it just if I How reference the author's, author's note, it's not going to give away too much. Just that they say, like, they tried to stay away from referencing events of Goblet of Fire, mm -hmm. but then ended up doing it anyway. It would be so, hard to resist. Like, yeah, so it made me think that they read Goblet of Fire, like, during the writing of this, is yeah, kind of what I well, thought. that is definitely what happened. That's yeah. interesting, because, like, this would have come out at the period where I started reading the books. It's like when everyone started reading the books. That's right. when I right. started reading the books. It's like, have you, have you read Harry Potter's Grace, these three books? This new book is coming out later. And it's coming out this summer, mm -hmm. yeah. Right. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, the, I read the, the first, first three, three books, books and or... then, like, I was I was aware of it for Goblet of Fire coming out. Do you think we that's bought why it and read it. Azkaban is a lot of people's favorite book, because it was the best one at the time they started? Probably. 
Yeah, I yeah. mean, the, it was, like, the darkest, more serious one. I mean, not that I really read them at the time they are coming out, but, like, I'm totally aware of how popular it was. People were like, you can't get into the first one, you need to get to the third one. And yeah. I, I still couldn't make it past the first like, one. The first one <laughs> we've talked about before, but that's okay. First one is whatever children's book. Second one's yeah. a bit of a mess, actually. It's not great. Third one is where it comes into, into mm-hmm. its own. Yeah. yeah, a little more world-building, a little more... Um, Weird time travel subplots, <laughs> more Siriuses and Remuses, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. kind of like talking about Harry's parents and kind of like extending the time frame of like, you know, discussion, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I guess like the founders are important, but who cares about the founders? Who cares about Salazar Slytherin except the people writing founder mm-hmm. fanfiction, which is a lot of people? Well, I don't know anything about Salazar Slytherin, so. No one knows. I, I guess I don't care. I know he's got a Lego minifig. So do the other three. Uh, does anyone even know what they look like? Lego does. They, they look like yeah. Legos? <laughs> oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that hangs mm-hmm. together. So, uh, anyway, we, uh, we've talked about our Harry Potter backgrounds, basically. Dom, you and I read the books and were into the books mm-hmm. as on an average level for the time, which was fairly into them. Uh, my family was... Uh, myself and my family we were very, very into them at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's what I meant. Is like average for the time was like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got them first day and you read them. Well, yeah, you stood in a line to get them. It was an <laughs> average level of interest in my in well, my experience. Because uh, there, there was that dry spell where there was absolutely no Harry Potter merch mm-hmm. for a while. Because like, Rowling refused to license anything. So Ashley, my, my older sister, that who listeners will remember from the Green Gables episode, uh, made their own shirt <laughs> using like you know that squeeze glitter glue stuff. Yeah, yeah for sure. Puffy paint. Yeah, like the. Like the plastic the puffy stuff. fabric paint. And yeah. like made a whole like I made all Harry, sorts of Harry stuff. Harry Potter that. shirt off a white shirt. And I was like, Oh, that looks really cool, but it was like it drives funny, it's clunky and it's heavy. <laughs> but yeah, and actually made their own shirt. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That was the slightly above average level of interest for the time, right? Uh, it still so. seems kind of average. Well and also we were so into it, we also got the uh, British versions of the books. And I think one no. of them might be right there behind Tori. Yeah. Mm. That the, oh, yeah. shelf there. Yeah, yeah, that's a British book. This is indeed a British book. Actually, the cover illustration is pretty dope. It's the Goblet of Fire, oh. and it's got a crazy-looking dragon on it. <laughs> that's pretty. Also, cool. some kid. Yeah. On a broom. Yeah, some kid on a broom with a scar on his forehead. Who cares about him? <laughs> <laughs> and Tori, your background is that like you didn't get into the books, and later on you watched the movies, right? And that's the summary. I mean, we've talked about this yeah. before. I, I just like if people haven't yeah, seen it before. Like, that's I, the deal. I read the first... I, I put off reading the first book because I was into high fantasy and it didn't seem like it met my standards until I was 12. And then at 12, I decided it didn't meet my standards. And, <laughs> and so, then you got to feel superior to everybody for several yeah, years. I know, until I, the seventh book came out. But yeah, until the, until the seventh book came out and then I read the whole seventh book after having seen the sixth movie and being on a cliffhanger and needing to know what happened next. Mm. Um, after that, at some point, I read the rest of the books. All right, fair enough. No, there and you go. Speaking of reading, I going into this, I thought I had read this fanfic because I had read, like, two Harry Potter fanfics back in the day when, like, you know, it was booming, and I kind of thought this was one of them. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she has something about, like, Hermione, it's, like, years post-series, she's adult, there's some sort of femme fatale, like, villainous. And, but when I read this, and we're reading the first half of it for discussion today, and we'll read the second half another time, 
when I read this, I was like, I don't remember any of this. Is this the fanfic that I read and I just don't remember anything? Or did I read mm. another fanfic? Who knows? With, with a motto, it's impossible to tell. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You never know. I am... Honestly, this fanfic is pretty interesting. I, I was surprised it was so popular, really. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not surprised. It's pretty interesting for what it does. It's As someone who's read all the books, seen all the movies, it's interesting now what they've done to like the future Harry timeline. There's interesting things. And yeah. why don't yeah. we jump into the story? Paradigm of Uncertainty, it's uh, 15 chapters. We're discussing the first eight today. Well, can I take, a, take us on a little segue based off of that? Sure. So one of the main differences in the timelines of this story and the canon story is that Ron died in year six or something. Mm-hmm. And they, Unlike the canon where he died in, what, year five? I don't remember much about Ron. <laughs> so in the, in the fan fiction, they state it pretty uh, starkly in, in, in the beginning. Um, in the school, she and Harry had been two-thirds of an unstoppable triumvirate completed by George's younger brother, Ron. But Ron was dead. Mm-hmm. And just the phrasing of it reminded me of certainly pull up my notes yeah the context for that was that they live with george which is why they referred like they talked about george first which is why they were talking about him as george's younger brother well it just reminded me of um um christmas carol yeah i was gonna say Mm. yeah ron was dead to begin with there was no doubt about that (laughs) (laughs) which then let me thinking so you have christmas carol but instead of scrooge you have an old harry potter okay and ron was dead to begin with (laughs) No, no doubt about that. Sure. That is a doornail. So then, like, Ghost of Christmas Present would be uh, Hagrid, for example. That would be pretty easy. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, oh, are you talking about recasting Christmas Carol? Oh, yeah, yeah. Christmas Carol as Harry Potter. Ghost of Future is a Dementor? Dementor. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I, it'd have to be, right? I right. mean... Well, I don't really have, like, a personality. It's not a person, really. but, but, yeah, it would still have to be. It would still have to be. Right. I guess so. But what yeah. about Ghost of Christmas Past? That, that's a question. That's the little girl, right? Yeah. So, or a little child, whatever. Child, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, uh, the, 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 the... The house elf. <laughs> the Dobby. Dobby. Could be Dobby. <laughs> it could be Dobby. Yeah. I was thinking the... What, what's the family name? The Crotchet? Yeah. What would be the Longbottoms? <laughs> oh, Bob Crotchet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. I accept all that. But little Neville Longbottom. <laughs> well, I feel like the mm-hmm. problem here is you have to find places for other big name Harry Potter characters, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like Dumbledore's easy; he's mm-hmm. Fezziwig, right? Um, and but like, what about Hermione? Where do you slot Hermione in? Hermione, um, she could no. <laughs> is she just like she's female, so she gets to be like the lost love person? Like no, because it's, it's not no, a fit. No, like no. I think that's Cho. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Like, it didn't actually come to anything, but it's, like, you know, like they something thought, that could have. They thought it was Wait, is, the time. is Harry supposed to be Scrooge in this? Yeah. Well, when it, did we decide that? Well, if Don't Ron... decided that. <laughs> oh, okay. if, if Ron was dead to begin with, and in the story, you know, uh, Scrooge and... Uh, Who's the actual character name? Uh, Marley. Marley. We're, we're partners. Marley and Marley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scrooge and Marley were partners, so it'd be somebody, somebody Harry was partnered with. Could be Ron and Hermione were dead. <laughs> Ron, no, that that Hermione could be screwed. Hermione could be screwed. Hermione could be screwed. Ron and Harry were dead. <laughs> they could be. They could be dead. I guess. Or like Harry could be the nephew or something. <laughs> Harry is Hermione's nephew. Wait, I'm confused now. <laughs> we're just like recasting characters, I guess. Yeah, right. Everything's getting cool. You, the the problem is you have to stretch someone. Right. Mm-hmm. Also. Scrooge is probably Draco. 
Mm-hmm. Oh. I was just thinking. True that. So then Harry was dead to begin with? Harry is probably dead to begin with. No, 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 no. Even though he doesn't care about Harry, so that doesn't work. No. It's gotta be a Crab and Goyle. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> Our dad. Snape is Scrooge. Oh. Yes. Oh, Alan Rickman yes. Scrooge. Yes, Alan Rickman, Snape as Scrooge. Okay. Yeah. And we and go Harry's from there. Harry's dead? Lily's dead. Oh, of course. Well, he was Snape's partner. The nephew is Harry? No, but nephew's Lily, Harry. Yes, Lily's... the nephew is Harry. Yes. But okay. Li- and Lily's the lost love, obviously, right? Yeah. Because he lost her to James. Okay, I kind of like the idea that someone like James or Sirius would be the Marley role, except that Snape freaking hated that person. Unlike, you know, unlike canon Scrooge. Truth. Where he's like, I thought we were we were good pals together. I don't know. Um, Remus and Sirius are the ghosts of Christmas past. <laughs> I feel like we're like one or two turns of the Rubik's Cube away from everything just falling into place here. Right? It's so I, close. I don't agree with that. I also feel like statistically speaking, someone has probably written this already. No, no, we're definitely the most original people. <laughs> yeah. So welcome to our new podcast, Perspective Fan Fiction Perspective. Wait, hold Well, it's on. very on brand. Perspective Fan Fiction Perspective. <laughs> it's very on brand for us to discuss at length fan fiction that we want to have written and never actually write it. Of course, yeah. No, we'd, mm-hmm. we'd pay somebody to write this, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. With our big podcast money. With our fan fiction uh, grant money. Mm. We should probably get back to earning that big podcast money mm. by mm-hmm. discussing this fanfic. So Ron was dead. <laughs> Paradigm of Uncertainty. Ron's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Then he comes back. <laughs> no. He's dead, dead, dead. Okay. And we're following Hermione as our main character mostly early on. Mm-hmm. And she is an academic. She's... What, what's her uh, like actual Charms, position? Charms fellow. Fellow. She's a fellow. <laughs> I'm just flashing back to our conversation about who is a fellow in the fellowship. <laughs> Hermione. In one of our Lord of the Rings episodes. Yeah. Hermione was a fellow, clearly. <laughs> uh, she's a charms fellow at, like, a academy of magic and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And keeping herself very busy. And she shares a house that she, like, they bought together with a bunch of housemates. Mm-hmm. First weird part is they bought this house for next to nothing, even though they're all, like, 26 um, How's that weird? Because it never seems to come up again, like, 12 chapters in, that this house was, like, super cheap for them all to purchase. How do you purchase well, a look, house at that age? Like, first, that's you crazy. are, like, independently wealthy because you're Harry Potter, oh, and you put true. in more than, that's like, the rest of everybody point. else. Yeah, they were all, like, very successful at a super young age. Also, so. that implies there was something off about the house, haunted, question mark. Yeah. Right. Which seems like, yeah, but I thought they that say was early come in back the fanfic. In, and it doesn't. I mean, so. We haven't finished. That's true. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, they say early in the fanfic, it's like, yeah, I mean, we came in and we did, like, all of the, like, the purification charms and wards and stuff that we could think of, and it seemed fine, yeah. so, like, we lived there. Could have been more of a fixer up Also, how impractical it is, is it to buy and, like, own a house together with a bunch of people that you're, like, not necessarily going to stay in the same living situation with? Like, these, they're in their mid-20s. They seem pretty settled, oddly settled for mid-20s. Mid-20s, like, you're gonna potentially get married, or... Not saying everyone does that, but you're gonna go on and do other stuff, and yet they own a house together between these like six people. Is it six or five? Five or six. That it's Laura, uh, Justin, Cho, Harry, Hermione, jo- and, and George, George, which six. is six. six. Yeah. And speaking of Weird one situation. of those characters, this is a crossover. Going into this, I saw no indication this was a crossover, but like you read the author's notes, disclaimer early on, uh, it's a crossover. 
with a book that I've never read, oh. which is uh, the the changeover by Margaret M. Mahi May May M A H Y May. Anyone read that? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Just never even I. heard of it actually, I, but I got curious about it after reading this. Me too. So. I went and read a summary of it. Uh, What's anyway, it about it's about someone who is like falls into a magic world i not falls into a magic world you know like stumbles into some magic incidents like their siblings preyed on by some supernatural creature and they need the help of like this witch family and like mm. the they just like as is described in this fanfic the witch family mm-hmm. kind of puts her through something that activates her latent you know magical potential mm-hmm. so that she can like fight back against this supernatural creature it seems wow. like a cool young adult book it's also set in new zealand which is neat yeah and so we've got cool. this new zealander laura chant as one of the housemates and I liked that going in because I was like, it's nice that not every housemate is someone that they knew from Hogwarts. Like, not all of them. Yeah. Like, That'd be a bit hard to swallow. It would be a little bit harder to swallow, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, George, like, they, they do stuff. Joe's a professional Quidditch player. Um, I forget what George does. He, he works. Uh, brooms. Brooms. Oh, yeah, he tests brooms. Makes brooms? Tests brooms? Yeah. Test brooms. Tests brooms. That would be fun. Whatever. Um, the main point here is that Harry does mysterious things. He just kind of goes and comes back and doesn't talk about what he does. Yeah, and everyone's just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Even Hermione, who is his best friend. So. Well, yeah. they, they don't worry too much because Harry is independently wealthy. Right. So he right. doesn't need to do anything. But he's clearly not, like, not doing anything. He's clearly doing something. Yeah. Right. It's just like, like he also quite explicitly does not talk about it. Yeah. Harry would be gone for weeks, come back with, like, cuts and bruises and destroyed equipment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not talking about it very pointedly. Right. And so the first part of this fanfic is kind of mostly catching us up with with these characters and kind of their situation at the moment. And, yes, uh, Hermione's Harry's best friend, but, like, he's a little bit closed off because clearly his whole parts of his life he's not talking about. And also they're they kind of breezed through what happened the rest of the series. They did. It's it's interesting, like you said, coming in at this time where the author is writing a post-series fanfic mm-hmm. after book three. It's bold. <laughs> it, it is bold. And so, you know, to some extent, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, Harry killed Voldemort at the end of his seventh year of Hogwarts. Of and you're course, like, well, yeah. that, obviously. <laughs> and, like, they do just enough to, like, throw in a few, like, things that happened in the middle there, like like Ron's murder right. and that sort of thing. I, to I, be, I, like... I think Hagrid's killed in there, too, somewhere. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They give, the, like, the impression of, like, yeah, like, shit got more serious and things went down and four more books happened, but don't worry about the details. But this is more about them trying to deal with the aftermath. Yeah, it is. And the psychological right. and emotional state mm-hmm. you're in after that. And so other than being best friends with Harry, the, like, one of the main things going on mentally with Hermione is that she actually kind of is overwhelmed and doesn't like her job. And she's not clear on that at the beginning of the fanfic, but through the course of it, it kind of settles in her mind a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's kind of stultifying and repetitive, and, you know, she wants yeah. to be doing something more mentally engaging in novel ways. They kind of outright reference it in the fic, but it's the uh, reason why Hermione's a Gryffindor as opposed to Ravenclaw. Yeah, they do that mm-hmm. conversation. I appreciated that because... Reading the books, a lot of the time you're like, Hermione... Hermione would be a Ravenclaw? Yeah. 
Yeah. If Hermione's not a Ravenclaw, who is a Ravenclaw? <laughs> you know? She actually yeah. kind of, like, blames Harry at first for, like, at some point in the fic, for her lust for adventure, like, convincing her to do that. But and and Harry's like, like, the hat's were you into Gryffindor exactly, before, yes. before I had anything to do with you, really. Yeah. And then she comes to terms with it throughout so, the course of the so fic, Hermione, which is kind of cool, because a lot of this is from Hermione's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So Hermione is not satisfied with not being active in the magical research. Right. Or... Uh, just research just, and, just like, magic, teaching just, just is... Just safe research. Right, is not mm-hmm. enough for her. With no hijinks. <laughs> right. And so, hijinks, ha- hijinks is not the right word for what happens in this fanfic, though. It's no. not the right word for what happens in Harry Potter, either, but... <laughs> um, there's some hijinks. There's some people dying. Yes, yeah. but not usually during the hijinks. Yeah. I'll give you that, yeah. <laughs> usually. <laughs> um, so, I... I have a little bit of trouble going back and kind of thinking about the progression of this fanfic. The pacing is weird, and I don't mean bad weird necessarily, but reading through this, it's like things happen each chapter, but honestly not all that much happens each chapter, at least in the first half, not in terms of plot development. It's kind of like something will happen, and then the author will spend all the time they need having the characters react to that, reflect on that, and emotionally respond to it. And then something else will happen, and the author will kind of circle back around and, you know, have people talk to each other and, like, process it. Was that just my impression, or does that seem like kind of a accurate description to you two of the pacing? It seems like you kind of strip some of the emotional content from that. I mean, it's... No, no, what I'm saying is, like, there is emotional content. It's, like, you know, heavy emotional content. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. But it just means, like, given that kind of flowing pacing, steady kind of flowing, emotionally concerned pacing, it's kind of hard for me to, like, isolate the order of events as much as I could in some stories. Right. It's in the format of a dramatic serial, I think. Yes. It was definitely Mm -hmm. serialized. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, it is dramatic. Yeah. Well, I do think the action part of the plot kind of happens later, Mm -hmm. more especially past the part that we read. I did read ahead, but uh, point being is that, yeah, I think I can agree with that. We start out a lot in people's heads, like, mm-hmm. especially Hermione's, and certain feelings are kind of coming to light about events. We get references to Ron dying and what the emotions might be, but not fully seeing those emotions until later on in the story. And we get a lot of things happening in the background and a lot of speculation, like Hermione speculating that Harry might be doing something. Uh, early on, Cho references that he might be a spy. So, and we get a lot from Hermione's perspective, like, what if he's a spy? What do I do? And blah, 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 kind of thing. The thing is, like, th- that felt like a long time wondering, but I'm looking at it, and in chapter two, we have the point of view of Harry doing day-to-day spy things. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's not, not left a mystery for long. It starts off... Here's your adult drama, chapter two, Harry's a spy. Right. Okay, Harry's a spy. Yeah, but then we have more, like, I think after that, still right of Hermione, like, wondering about him being a spy. But, yeah, totally. There's there's definitely nothing that makes you, like, uh, linger too long on any any questions. There's nothing that's boring about it. It moves through pretty no, well. No, it, it reads well. It keeps your interest. It's just kind of a different, a different pacing than I'm used to, I should say. So, or, like... Chapter one set everything up. Chapter two, Harry's a spy. Chapter three, Hermione finds out Harry's a spy. Right. That's actually okay. kind of quicker than we thought. Well, yeah. 
No, but I mean, it's not just that. It's like, uh, even once she finds that out, it's kind of like, another thing happens, another step happens. It's like, step, step, step. It it works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, When when was the word horror introduced in the the books? Hmm. I was thinking that reading this because the word horror is never used. It had to be a goblet of fire. Godwin Goblet of Fire because the word or is never used but that's oh, basically what? Harry's job he's he's no, the kind of I no. mean not no he's not a he's but not later a on they officer, say that true. he's not an or but, but he, he, they say that later on yeah. I didn't I didn't notice but that but you you didn't I don't think you got that far. I don't okay. think they oh maybe because I, I read to chapter 11 myself I, I, that word hasn't come up oh okay. I read through chapter 12 oh my so maybe it came up in chapter 12. Sorry, spoilers. Let's back up. Uh, no one okay. heard anything okay. I just said. Well, I think it was introduced in Goblet of Fire. I'm pointing at okay. the book yeah. you can see it. Well, there's a very specific <laughs> part where they talk about the difference between his job and an or. Because anyway. Goblet of Fire is where they introduced um, Mad-Eye Mooney. Sure. And they introduced the oh. concept of the horror and, and the dark, right. dark wizard fighting. Oh. Well, yeah, that must have happened in the chapter I just read. Okay, well, here's what right. I'm getting at. The fanfic's interesting because the author saw the need in the wizarding world for professional, for professional dark wizard hunters. And right. that had not been established. They had to come up with their own vision of what that meant. And they and were like James Bond. It's James spies. Bond style, right? He, yeah. He's a, he's a James Bond style spy, it. not a like yeah. actual spy. He's a right. member of the International Wizards Federation or something? Yeah, yeah. The, not, not the local Ministry of Magic. No. Yeah. And that makes sense because uh, national barriers in the wizarding world, you can teleport. Like, I mean, you kind of need things to be international, right? They make a nice, nice reference to that concept later on where um, Hermione visits a police officer. Mm-hmm. Where they mention, like, where, like mm-hmm. in wizarding, wizarding world, the districts are like Western Europe and, and Scandinavia. Yeah, because, <laughs> because there's so little population. The population density mm-hmm. is so low and yeah, you can yeah, travel yeah. so easily yeah. that, like, right, why not? It's like, even on the uh, state level, it's still pretty wide. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting seeing... You know, fans thinking through things that Rowling was not interested in thinking through, <laughs> which is a lot of things. You know, yeah. that's that's part of the fun Agreed. of the Harry Potter fandom, right? Right. Is like everybody needing to fill in those gaps because there's a lot of gaps. Kind of funny because the thing that like really didn't enchant me about the Harry Potter fandom is I didn't, or the not the fandom, um, the books is that I didn't feel like a lot of things, like the world was very well built. I felt like a lot of things were just gaps. But it's these not, fans. Yeah. They they liked it enough to make the world for themselves, and I I really respect that, and I kind of wish I'd come at it from that perspective when I first read it. It I was know. fun because I was listening to a YouTube video with like Math Matthew Mercer talking about world building and mm-hmm. using Harry Potter as an example. It's like oh, it's, I love it. It's great, and like you have these wizards, you have these owls uh, delivering letters to people. It's charming. It's magical. But like if you apply a realistic filter filter to that. In a world where people can teleport at will, why are you yeah. making an owl deliver a message that's just cruel? That, see, <laughs> that's the thing that always bothered me. The, the reason I couldn't get into it, like, I was like, it doesn't make sense. But they continued that the Harry Potter world worked because it was fantastical and magical. And, and the point the point of it was not to make sense, but just to uh, sure. draw people in. Give a feel, and, yeah. And, yeah. And as an adult, I can see that. As a 12-year-old, I was like, this is ridiculous like come on you guys well it's that teenager thing it's like you have to prove yourself to me exactly (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and i was following my little pony friendship is magic for the first two seasons which was when the world building was coming out an episode at a time Mm -hmm. and like you had the same thing with fans being like oh that's really interesting like let's think about the consequences of that and how that relates to things and you know Mm -hmm. what does it mean that the ponies are terraformers and all this kind of thing right like 
I kind of, later on, I mean, you know, even by the end of the second season, it's, it felt like a lot of those spaces had been filled a little bit with much less interesting things than the fans <laughs> were filling them with. Yeah. And so it mm-hmm. kind of, I lost a lot of interest. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Harry Potter, Paradigm of Uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Well, what yeah. were we talking about? We were talking about Harry being a James Bond-style spy. And in fact, he's kind of a, a spy boss. Right. So, like, instead mm-hmm. of being an or, they cast the role in an um, international spy uh, milieu, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Harry, Harry's job is to infiltrate uh, groups of dark wizards and also potential dark wizards and to dissuade them from being dark wizards, mm-hmm. <laughs> either through right. subterfuge or outright violence. Right. Uh, so either subterfuge, capture, or outright murder. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And they say their main goal in doing that is to make sure that like dark wizards don't get organized. Yeah. Like, that's kind yeah. of the goal. There's always going to be people doing, like, you know, illegal magic. It's just they don't want it to be like a, you know, organized crime, new Dark Lord sort of situation. Which does seem very, like, believably um, governmental FBI methodology. Yeah. <laughs> it does. I, I had to question, even going into this, I mean, I know magic and magical disguise and <laughs> stuff, but you're having Harry Potter infiltrate Dark Wizards? The, the most recognizable, like you know, kill the Voldemort person you possibly could <laughs> with, like, a scar that cannot be magic. I mean, you'd probably magically cover it, but I just mean, like, you know, with actual spies, you would want it to be someone where people don't look at them and be like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. Well, you know, it's funny because I feel like there was a reference to him magically concealing his scar. Sure, but he still but looks like Harry Potter. I know, I know. But it's like, in our one of our previous Harry Potter fan fictions, he could put on a whole... Or the you know the one where he was being raised by Remus and Sirius, they mm-hmm. could put on a whole glamour to make him look different, kind of thing. Right. It's like you would think they reference that. In I, fact, I, I glamours he does do are that. yeah. I, I think maybe we're supposed to have seen that. Glamours are a part of this fanfic. Um, there's actually a couple different plots going on in this fic. There are. Why don't we pick one to start with? Also, this is uh, before uh, Goblet of Fire is where they introduced Polyjuice po- Potion too. Is it? Yeah, because oh. Mad-Eye Moody was really David Tennant. <laughs> no, but there was uh, Hermione turning into the cat. That was this. That, that, that was Goblet of Fire, I think. That wasn't... No, that was... No, because that would have been that was the Chamber, second, of that was Chamber of Secrets. Because yeah. they need to go into they the bathroom to for some reason. They need to turn into Crab and Goyle, and then Hermione was going to turn to someone else, and she accidentally picked a cat hair. Because <laughs> they were doing it above their level. They weren't supposed to learn it until fifth year, but oh. they were in second year. Okay. Mm-hmm. See... I just laid on that Harry Potter knowledge, I know. right? That's Come good. on. Like, I, I had the Hermione can't inc- incident in my head, but it was just free-floating timeline. Yeah, well, I remembered it from the movie because I saw the movie first. So. I just remember because that scene happened in a bathroom, and the second book is the one that is concerned with bathrooms. And true, that's true. that's how I organize things in my head. Which ones are most concerned with bathrooms? Which is the second one, yes. I think it was the fourth book where you first had the nefarious use of Apologies Potion, which is going yeah. from, oh, this is a cool magical thing, to, holy shit, this is terrifying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Truth, though. Anybody could be anybody who wants to kill you. It's weird, though, because you think a glamour would accomplish the same thing as Apologies Potion. Right. Oh, speaking of people Another who want to kill gap. people, I was charmed reading a, a post-series Harry Potter fanfic, you know, after the third book, like this. I was charmed reading this fanfic. Mm-hmm. And at one point... how charming it is. When, <laughs> never mind, go on. At one point, it's just like, there's a big gathering, Hermione's there, Snape is over there in the corner. And not in the corner, but like, at the party. I'm like, oh, hi, Snape, you survived. Good on you. <laughs> yeah. Glad you're still trucking along. You're not dead. 
And still not the defense against Starcrest teacher. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're, we're totally floating around here, and we sh- probably should, like, attach to a plot thread at some point. But at one point, Hermione is talking to Minerva about, like, the new dark again, defense against the dark arts teacher mm-hmm. um, at Hogwarts. Which they call and, a Dada teacher. Yeah, Dada teacher. <laughs> and Hermione <laughs> asks McGonagall, is she any good? And McGonagall says, she's starting her second year, and Hermione's impressed. She's, yeah. like, very <laughs> impressed. And it took me a moment with that one. I had to, like, stop and think about what it meant, but that was a, that was great. That was actually that, hilarious. It's great because yeah. the author does not hammer it home, but, like, it's right. the best joke. Yeah, the, the characters don't overdo it. Just, no. Are they any good? It's their second year. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and then I mentioned Hermione being impressed, so I was like, yeah. why? Oh, yeah. Oh, I get it. <laughs> anyway, what's one of the plot threads here? Uh... We mentioned Harry as, as a wizard, wizard spy. I think we can move on yes. from that. So he's a wizard spy. Should we talk about his wizard spy deals? Like what's happening with his wizard spying? Uh, let's talk about the other stuff and come back to it. Okay, other stuff. Yeah. Uh, so what, like Harry-Hermione relationship? Uh, well, there's a lot going on, like... It's all kind of intertwined, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Every, but we get a lot from Hermione's perspective, and we get... She's dating this guy, Gerald. Who is uh, very much set up as like date, the, you know, the guy uh, who gets dumped at the end of the Hallmark special? Oh, right, right. Yeah. he's he's fine. He's it's good just looking. Like, he's nice. He's very successful as company. Where's but where's the passion? <laughs> right. <laughs> but like, he doesn't hold, hold the door open for her or something, or, or uh-huh. doesn't right. want to have Christmas out in the countryside. I don't know. <laughs> they don't have a long fraught history yeah. with mm-hmm. deeply you know buried mm-hmm. feelings. They don't, they don't gaze at each other longingly from the other side of the room. <laughs> Yeah, the first couple of chapters is a lot of, like, whatever stuff. Like, Hermione goes on dates, and they talk about their roommates, and they talk about their lives. Like, they talk about their positions. And, I mean, uh, they... We talk about Laura's boyfriend. Right. Who's... Laura has a boyfriend, Sorry. Sarin... Someone's Sorensen. We don't realize he's yeah. called Sorry until later, well, okay, but yeah. anyway, yeah. I'm going to call him Sorry. Yeah. Uh, she has a, a boyfriend, Sorry, and there's a fair amount of discussion about him. No one has ever met him, but, you know, she has. He's also Kiwi or whatever. And, like, she never doesn't see him that much. Or, like, sees him... They, they has to yeah, visit, whatever. They have to visit each other. together for, like, ten years yeah. since they were 16. Um, or she was 16. There's that older. thing, yeah, with, with Cho in terms of character relationships. Cho being all like, oh, Harry's a spy, didn't you know that? And Cho is set up as being some kind of, like, gold like, digger. Super like, super bitchy. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. manipulative. Like, I don't understand well, why I, Cho is portrayed this I way. I thought the Cho character choice was interesting, because it's not a reflection of Cho from the books. No, because Cho didn't have a personality until book five, Correct. probably. But she had, this like, no. character exists in these young 20s adult serialized uh, soap opera. Like type, type of show. Right, right. The, the kind of... Yes. I don't want to say bitchy friend, but... But that. Yeah. That. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it is because her perspective on show is from Hermione's perspective. And Hermione's like, she's just always been after Harry and she's just like manipulative and bitchy about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because it feels like a very like subjective sort of narrative. So it's from not Hermione's good... perspective. But then like Cho also has very few lines. So all we have to do is take Hermione's perspective. Yeah, yeah but Hermione's the other housemates seem to kind of be. They also agree side with, with her. Hermione yes, honest. that's true. That's actually a Which good point. Which kind of solidified Cho as this tip archetypical character in this these sort of um, soap operas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Maybe my whole thing was just thinking like, why were they making Cho into this character? Because it doesn't seem it's a little mean to do it to Cho, but yeah. it fills a good spot in the story. Right. Because yeah. you know Cho dropping like, oh, he's a spy. Didn't you know that? Like makes Hermione all like 
insecure about oh is he mm-hmm. like telling other people and not telling me about his well, job not other people sure. told Cho told Cho specifically tell me. <laughs> and then you know she and Harry get to like reaffirm their bonds over that he's like no I didn't tell anybody like I would have told you I wish I could have told you when like eventually she asks him if he's a spy and she gets let in on the fact that he is a spy by occupation yeah. Ha- yeah. Harry was like Cho's doing their own thing they found out through like dating a minister or something I don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it having been established that, you know, Hermione wants more mental engagement, of course she wants to help Harry, it means that once she knows that he's a spy, she's trying to find ways to help with the investigation. Right. And there is, you know, there's the tension between, obviously Hermione is extremely intelligent and capable, and of course you want her to help with anything. And competent. And competent, Mm -hmm. right. Capable is what I meant by competent, yeah. Anyway. I'm I'm confusing uh, myself. (laughs) There's that, but then, of course, there's the, like, Harry is a target, and, you know... Baby, you can't get too close to me. It's too dangerous. <laughs> Some good, good shoujo stuff in there. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he's not That's a jerk about silly. it, but there is that there is that going on, mm-hmm. right? And so she does find ways to help. She had been helping before. Every so often, Harry would bring her like a problem or something, and they'd work together, and they'd, they'd, uh, Hermione would help fix it. At uh, chapter three or something mm-hmm. like they have a mm-hmm. like a dramatic stinger where someone knocks on the door and says harry's dead oh yeah oh, I, yeah i forgot about that i didn't trust that but no. i did but i did think no. if they kill harry would, this is going to be way more interesting than i was expecting it to be i know it could have just been hermione after that would have been that would have been really cool I actually yeah i was already still so like bummed out that they killed off ron before the story <laughs> even started that i was like come on can i say i actually liked that they killed ron not because i don't like Ron or anything, yeah. but because Harry Potter uh, canon has a lot, lot of named characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you have everybody there, then it gets too crowded or something. But there's yeah. only three that matter: Hermione, Harry, and Ron. But if you, right. But if you get rid of one, then not only is it less characters you have to deal with in the story, but it provides more depth and background for the characters that are still there. I would totally agree with you, except here's the reason <laughs> why I. Like, I don't like this is because it just is a way to open up space for Harry and Hermione to get together. Yeah, it is. And I don't like them getting together because it's one of the same things you're talking about, like, Zuko and Katara. It's the obvious and dumb choice kind of thing. It's the the main character and the female lead kind of choice. It's like, come on, man. Can't they just be good friends? Well, they are good friends for most of it, though. And yeah. then they get together in this fanfic. I've got to say... So, I mean, not that that's a bad thing. Having best friends end up being partners seems logical. It's just mm-hmm. in a narrative like this, you really don't want the only like prominent female character to end up with the main protagonist who's a man. Like, it just... It's too obvious and it's overdone. I've, I have no investment in the Harry Hermione ship, but I also don't specifically hate it. Mm. I, I've got to say, in yeah, this... Yeah, I feel the same way. In this but. fanfic... Though I was not engaged in their romance, and the reason was that they were such... I mean, I've I've only read the first half anyway, right? Like, they only just hooked up at the point at the Mm -hmm. end where we read it. But it's like, they were such good friends already, they were so close, Mm -hmm. that I didn't care whether they slept together or not. Yeah, that's... You're right, that's exactly it. It's like there was nowhere to go. They were already, like you know yeah, really tight like, them sleeping together almost feels like superfluous or just not necessary but yet the author makes it out to be a really big deal well, I th- it's I like th- as if it adds more to their friendship and it really just doesn't well I-, I normally agree with you with like the whole like obvious male obvious female hookup thing as being kind of gross mm-hmm. but not but 
and also with this <laughs> <laughs> uh they did a good job of establishing what grown up Harry Hermione and grown up Harry's relationship was mm-hmm. and yeah. they did things that, that reflected it back over time and that felt like a really um good rela- uh, intimate relationship between the two of them whether it was romantic or not and the fact that it progressed into a romantic state happened because of extraordinary circumstances which was believable in the work so i i feel like they started off neutral and then worked up to it in a place where it felt okay with me i I think it was Mm. well done enough yeah it's just Uh, like for for me mm. they were trying to do a will they won't they and it's just like i was like whatever well i also kind of like how they just uh, the characters themselves talked about it like Mm -hmm. early in the thing it's like we're we're just not like yeah let's just not yeah you know it's interesting that you put it that way because like i guess yeah to, to kind of talk about this and let it go this whole romantic plot between harry and hermione i actually felt like it wasn't super like it wasn't badly done but i also felt like when the characters became romantically involved there was a lot of talk from hermione's perspective about like how harry had grown up into this like tall ruggedly handsome man and like not as much from harry's perspective he's a very he's portrayed as very serious this whole time and also very attractive to hermione we never got harry's so, perspective during any romantic stuff right it's always exactly and the way hermione describes him is he doesn't seem attractive to me as a reader because he seems very serious and reserved and removed like i don't and this might be very personal but I'm just saying, like, I didn't find the romance in those scenes. I saw them having sex and that Hermione wanted to have it. I just, it didn't feel romantic to me because I didn't feel the intimacy that I think was supposed to be there. And I don't know if that's just me, but... Well, like, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't... I didn't find the description of Harry interesting either, but I mm-hmm. did believe Hermione's interest in that description. Yeah. I... I believed that she f- believed that she wanted that i'm not convinced that it's actually what's good for her if that's it and i know that sounds super weird to say but it's just the way the author writes the character i'm just i'm not sure if she fully understands what she wants from harry no, that, that's good it sounds like you're buying into the character and just looking out for what's best for hermione <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think hermione is really well written and the way she talks about harry is like oh there's i've always felt this way about him but there's nothing specific enough to say that, like, this is a person that's going to be a good partner for her, is what I think. I think that most of that is just hints over their relationship over mm-hmm. the past mm-hmm. 10, 12, 15 years. Yeah. They got super into ballroom dancing at they one point. They got super yeah. into swing yeah. dancing. Which they, oh, swing dancing, right. right. Not ballroom, which swing. Which they mentioned at some point, and they go into that story, which is like, just... Because you have that much time. Yeah, you, they could just have a period where they did that. That's fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, yeah. Those are the things that I would have wanted to see more. The author <laughs> glosses them, and then you're like, oh, I get how this relationship is There's built. a decent amount of attention paid to swing right? dance, though. Yeah, I think yeah it, but I would have wanted to see what it was like when they were being happy and friendly together, whether rather than being in these tense, dramatic times all the time where Harry's super well, serious. Well, I think it, it's more fun to anyway. reference it. I, I think it's that fan lore thing where like you think these little cracks in in the story would be more interesting like if you spent some time looking at it it'd just be kind of rote here's the thing that i finally come around to understanding i want to see them flirt and have fun together Mm -hmm. like have a fun together as opposed to like i've always been attracted to you let's now kiss okay we had sex then hermione's thinking we had sex that's 
great because I've always loved him. And it's like, come on, man. Like, where is the actual friendship? Like, the, the author doesn't show it at all. They tell it, but they don't show it. They showed it in other circumstances. Just, I, I just think not, of. Just not in I this think there's context. some of that. Yeah, not in that context. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and part of it is what you're describing, Tori, is that things are serious because there's a serious plot happening mm-hmm. simultaneous with this. Right. It's not just a shipping fic. It's a drama fic, right? Right. So I think it's just very divided between different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's trying to do multiple things. And I think... You know, that probably means maybe it didn't do some of them as much as you would have hoped, Tori. Um, yeah. But the... I'm not super critical of it. Yeah. I just wasn't fully there being convinced in their relationship. But I think maybe if I'd been more into Harry Potter and, like, how they read his characters in Harry Potter, I might have just had the groundwork for it. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think the Harry-Hermione relationship in the story isn't anything that would warrant this. Mm. Yeah. I think this is its own way of taking the yeah. idea of them. I agree. Yeah. But I mean, Harry's just super serious in this, too, which is just, I don't know. Well, and going, let's go back to the serious business. We need to yeah, actually like talk about it a little yeah. bit. So part of the way that Hermione helped Harry was uh, Hermione helped Harry develop a charm where if he was under, at, at any point, if he was under a mental attack he couldn't handle, then it would put him into, into a death-like torpor, mm-hmm. which is why they dramatically knocked on the door mm-hmm. and say Harry's dead. And she's like, let me see the body. And like she eventually, <laughs> she eventually gets it, and she's okay. like, "No, he's not dead." What are you talking about? Laura said, "Look at him; he's dead." No, Laura, he's in a self-induced necromimetic hyp- hypnosomatic stasis, <laughs> which is top-notch techno magical medical bullshit. Yeah, we, I read we, that babble. phrase a couple times, and I was like, "Okay, I get it." Yeah, you know, no, like I had cool. to read it twice, but once I read it twice, I was like, "I get it." Self-induced <laughs> necromimetic hypnosomatic stasis. Necromimetic is the best word there That's for good. sure. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like Loved death, it. Like death state. Yeah. Well, and I love that, you know, a lot of the words are superfluous, but you mm-hmm. can totally understand, like, the gist of this hypothetical idea that we have. Right. Yeah. So, like, Harry, you know, sent... I think it's just from, like, some mental attack that was targeted at him. There's various kind of jabs in his direction his and in his department's direction from mm-hmm. evil wizards. Because they're very concerned about what appears to be some sort of more systematic than usual dark wizardy activity, kind of like attacking various, you know, um, good spy type peoples. Mm-hmm. And halfway through this first half of the fanfic, which I guess means like a quarter of the way through the fanfic, there's a lot of attention paid to Sorry, Laura's boyfriend, the crossover character from mm-hmm. The Changeover. Is that the name of the book? Yeah. I think so, from The Changeover. Because mm-hmm. heavy hints are, you know, our breadcrumb trails are pointing towards him as being like, you know, some sort of up and coming, like really dark wizard. And yes. all they know about him before that is that he's Laura's boyfriend. And we get this reveal that Laura wasn't always a witch. Yeah, which is interesting. Which and that's, I felt was the most compelling scene in the story as they talk about how she changed over. And that's material from the book, right? Yeah, into a witch because of this process that... Sorry, performed with Sorry's family performed with her when she was sixteen because hypothetically it was the only way to save her brother's life. Yeah, that, well, that's the book. They, they mentioned yeah. that, that it wasn't the only way, but it was the grandmothers that did the ceremony had some other motives to have right. this happen. That they told her it was the only way. Yeah. yeah, right. And yeah, it's interesting ground, right? Because it's something that Harry Potter doesn't doesn't deal with, but you could see it dealing with in the world, right? Like, this Mm -hmm. magical potential question, right? Mm -hmm. 
And the way Laura describes it, and apparently the way it goes in the book, it's not like she's starting from zero. It's like muggle to magic. It's like she's got some kind of like sensitivity, right? That yeah, allows they, her to to they, like they call activate. Her a sensitive. Yeah, Laura, right. Laura yeah. was a force sensitive. A force sensitive, right? Yeah. yeah. And that, that's what allows her to be able to go through this process. Uh, a low-level psychic, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and it was, it was interesting, this stuff about Sari being super suspicious and, like, associated with dark wizards, right? Mm-hmm. You haven't met him at this point. Mm-hmm. No one's met him. And, you know, Harry... Well, in fact, Harry has sent several agents to try to track Sari down specifically, and they come up with nothing. Right. And... So, like, Hermione knows about this, too, and she's just kind of like, I just can't believe that this guy who Laura's been with for ten years could be evil, because I trust her judgment too much. And as a reader, you're like, oh, no, you're going to do something unwise, and she, like, sends a letter to Sori, and be like, let's meet in private and talk about this, because I've been hearing bad things, and you're like, no, that's a terrible idea, Mm -hmm. it's all going to go south. And, in fact, Hermione's completely right. Laura's Laura's (laughs) judgment is too good. Not only is Hermione completely right, but Harry intercepts, or, like, he gets the letter, Uh he finds the letter... Oh, he uses a spell on Hermione's, like, private shit. I don't he's, know why. Yeah, he's, he's, he's worried. He's, he's, he's worried, he's but, job. like, <laughs> violation. But anyway, no, he's worried about her. I get it. Yeah. And he he sees the letter, and he goes to meet them there, and he interrupts their meeting and is, like, interrogating the guy. It turns out the guy's t- totally fine. Totally on the up and Like, up. totally actually super awesome. But I love this because Harry was, like, and Hermione and Laura, the women who trusted it, were, like, actually right, so... And I also like the explanation as to why, like, you know, Harry's agents couldn't turn anything up. Like, it's actually really clever as a red herring for a spy plot. Yeah. Because he was specifically, like, having it put about the underworld. Like, people were specifically trying to build up his reputation, moles and stuff, and, you know... He was, like, inventing things and taking credit for things that other people didn't didn't want to take credit for. Right, because mm-hmm. because he's trying to get in with Dark Wizards in order, because they're interested in his family's, like, super changeover, you know, ritual, and he's kind of trying to, right. like, shut down the misuse of it. And what yeah. does he keep saying? He's a naturalist? He's a naturalist. He, he likes yeah. plants and animals. That's what he yeah. does. He, as a job, he just, like, studies. He's, yeah. I just don't... I didn't understand the relevance of that. He's like, I'm a naturalist. Well, I'm not a dark wizard. His point was, I'm not a spy. I'm not a uh, professional. Okay. I'm not a government-trained wizard. I'm just Got a naturalist. It. Except there's this weird other little plot twist where <laughs> he is, though, because he he was given the memories of this super badass, like, independent, you know, yeah, they, they, bounty yes. hunter, wizard, mercenary person. Yeah, this person. freelance dark wizard hunter right. that right when they were killed, as, as they were protecting Sari, mind-melded and dumped all the skills and techniques into Sari. Was that guy from something else? He's got to His have been, was right? Jack. I don't know. He doesn't even appear on screen because he's dead for, you know, from the beginning yeah. of, the, of the fanfic. It's kind of crazy, though. So, like, Sari has gotten thrown in this whole thing. He even has to keep it from Laura, There's right? a big old plot dump, but at least it's a really interesting plot dump where, like, you don't yeah. really, like... It was kind of crazy. I was like, is there another story I'm supposed to know? Like, this no, is I mean, nuts. This is, I do this know... is a good spy thriller, though. This there's, is like, oh, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. totally. It, I, there's fanfics based on this series of fanfics. Like, by the way, this is the first of three books, you know, just like the Draco Dormian's books. Hmm. And I think there's fanfics based on it as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like, there's other material yeah. out there, prequels and such. Uh, anyway, no, it's interesting spy stuff going on. A little bit more interesting than I was expecting initially. And, but then there's also other more straightforward stuff. Like, by right. the by the end of Chapter 8, 
we kind of have our big bad or at least medium bad. I don't know if there's going to be like a Sailor Moon or Final Fantasy type twist where it's like, no, behind me yeah. was like, I'm guessing, yeah, an even bigger evil. But like, we, in spy thrillers, you know, it's never the first bad guy you think it is, you know. Uh, it turns out it's an evil tree from like yeah. the dawn of the universe or something. Yeah. Okay. So something practical um, like that. Right. Um. Anyway, yeah, we we kind of have by the end of chapter eight, Allegra, who is a dark wizard, who is a uh, turncoat. She's like yeah. super evil wizard Carmen San Diego or something. <laughs> like uh, she. So Carmen San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Carmen San Diego is not super evil. You take that back. Well, she stole the pyramids. Just <laughs> yeah, saying. But, yeah, but like, uh, yeah, stealing somebody's cultural, you know, icons isn't very good a motto. So. <laughs> it's I, I not know. great. Yeah, I assure you that <laughs> she stole the pyramids with minimal loss of life. Yeah, but like cultural imperialism still ain't great. I'm just saying <laughs> it's true. Yeah, <laughs> though we and, don't really know Carmen Sandiego's background. Yeah, yeah, you do. She she was an Acme agent, but she got bored with no, it. No, I mean, like maybe this is also part of her culture. Maybe she's taking the pyramids to protect them. Maybe I might give you that, but st- Carmen Sandiego also steals everything like literally no no i know that that's that's the (laughs) issue with that can't be everything can't be everything agreed (laughs) so do you think that if the acme agents did not stop her Mm -hmm. gradually just pieces of the world would keep going missing until like (laughs) they were just existing in a void where would you put it it's like like the last thing is she steals acme hq and then they're just like floating in like a starry she puts it in her personal void so and then eventually it's just the world existing in carmen sego's void and so everything's back to where it was anyways Yeah, yeah it's like she stole the whole world and she put it over there and now the world mm. is over there now how do you know the world hasn't already been stolen oh, <laughs> oh man that explains so much plot twists <laughs> so. uh anyway allegra <laughs> she she's a former like co-worker slash passionate you know love interest of harry's and she lover yes lover and she turned turncoat i don't remember if we got to this at this point we but haven't. like oh okay. yeah end of chapter eight and honestly, I was thinking less Carmen Sandiego at that point and more that villainous from Pokemon Master. Like, you know, Misty's evil twin. No, I don't want to equate the two. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, she's evil and she can teleport out of warded areas that is established, which is apparently bad news. And, oh, there's one more major plot spy twist. There's some good plot spy twists, which is <laughs> yeah. that Voldemort is not dead. And this is, you know, See, pre-Horcruxes, too. I was going to ask if we got into kind of yeah. Oh, yeah, that was actually a while ago. <laughs> All right, thank and you. I don't think we've mentioned it yet. No, yeah. uh, no, I just yeah. mean, like, in the fanfic, through yeah. chapter 8, oh, we've gotten fanfic, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if we, if we it, by the end of chapter 8, we got into that. Yeah. It's so, interesting. Yeah. I, I Harry like this... lied and said he was dead, because Harry, I don't know why. No, no, no. Because, no, no. Because, no I'm just kidding, sorry. Because the government <laughs> said it's best if people yes. think, think he's dead. Yeah. Well, and what Derry did was reduce his power significantly, so he had to go away for a while again. Just like yeah, I, I like his baby, phrasing. Right? Yeah. yeah, Harry was like, "We killed him about as well as we could," which mm-hmm. is to say that like he's reduced to like some completely powerless wraith, unless anybody like specifically tries to repower him, which is one of the reasons that we keep a close eye on like the dark wizarding world, right? Right. right. So we kind of get this impression like there was something early on that happened where. Hermione was warned about Harry doing this and there was some like, I can't remember who was talking to her, but it was like some concern that he was 
another professor no, was McGonagall, McGonagall, right? Yeah. yeah, saying that he was seeking revenge beyond killing Voldemort. Yeah, but like, this is the point where we're saying go. where he confesses. You know, he's not fully dead, and I'm still trying to keep him from rising up. Mm-hmm. And that's the point where Hermione kind of gets on board and says, "Okay, I understand." So, if Voldemort is not completely dead, is what sustains him on this mortal coil true love? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. What? Just checking. he's only mostly dead. Right. Right? Princess Bride. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Voldemort. Voldemort in love. I, I, I <laughs> my brain. So I was going into this fanfic, and once they described what happened in the, in the first chapter, I was kind of glad that Voldemort was out of the picture. Mm-hmm. Because I... I want a post-series Harry Potter story to be about something else besides Voldemort. Fair enough. Because you can't think of they'd they'd uh, solve that problem in season one. <laughs> now here in season two or season three, that'd be something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I well, like we haven't read all of it yet, so I'm still kind of holding out hope. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like we've never seen Voldemort on screen yet. No, it's right. I would actually not be surprised, and I would be happy if the idea, the stated murmurings of working to bring back Voldemort were in fact a ruse and if like you know this dark wizard leader lady had no intention or any interest in Voldemort at all that, that's mm-hmm. what I'm sticking and, my hopes on right if it's just yeah. kind of like a useful banner to kind of like wave around vaguely to get people sure. to pay attention to you or rally behind you right mm-hmm. that would make more sense because you know you don't want Voldemort around because he's a jerk even if you're evil like you don't want to be under his thumb right that's true yeah, yeah. Uh, Voldemort's followers, it was a cult of personality sort of thing. So right. They were like a. Right, but yeah. even his followers still seem to hate him. Or just be wary of him as dark wizards are See, I don't, known to I do. I don't think it was a cult of personality thing. I would think it was an intimidation through power thing. I mean, it was both. Yeah. That's what I read in the movies. Yeah. I, I don't remember the books. In, in the books, there were well, like so. devoted followers also. Uh, in yes, the movies, okay. they just had the visuals to work with. Sure. Mm hmm. I think in the movies, only um, Tim Burton's ex-wife was one of those. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, Bellatrix. Bellatrix. The strange. The strange. Yeah. She was. She was also like had very questionable motives for anything that she did. So. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a werewolf. I, I don't know. There's some. There's some Voldemort followers, Death yeah. Eaters, or whatever. Uh, speaking of werewolves our favorite werewolf lupin is around he works under harry yeah oh right we didn't mention that before i think i think lupin's a fan favorite y'all i think people like lupin yeah no word of serious just lupin yeah he works for harry and it's a similar thing where it's like he was you know similar thing i was gonna say similar thing to raising harry where like serious kind of like swoops in and saves him from destitution Mm. yeah it was very similar to that it's kind of like that except it's harry yeah. Yeah. And who offers him a job. So, like, as we're, so just we've what, been reading more and more Harry Potter fanfics that have Lupin in them, mm-hmm. one of my favorite games is now seeing what rules fanfic authors come up with for werewolves. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. In a magic oh, context. Sure, yeah. Like, in Raising Harry, they're practically unkillable, right? Right. And in this mm-hmm. one, they can't apparate because, uh, quote, as a metamorphic being whose physical structure was unstable, apparating was very difficult for him. In fact, he couldn't do it by himself at all, which is why Harry had to help him. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's just little fun little things where they have no official rules for werewolves in the books besides just like wolfing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like every, all, it's all free space. Just so much more room for activities in there. Well, it, I really appreciate like any author who 
will build on the world like that just by offering a little note. Like that, that was only a couple sentences, but it was like, ah, but it's a great idea. Yeah. Right. Like uh, introduce the concept of like the class of a metamorphic being is like different rules of physics sure. apply to them. Yeah. Not just something that changes shape, but like something that reacts differently with space and or time. Possibly. Right. And that's like a lot of work for a couple sentences that they threw in there. Yeah. So I, I felt like that was great. Yeah. And so uh, by the point that we read to by chapter eight, kind of what's going on in the plot other than that, like, Harry Hermione thing going on and, like, checking in with Sari and, like, you know, that subplot being kind of resolved for the moment mm-hmm. and learning that, like, these people want to use the changeover for apparently, hopefully, stripping wizards of their powers. Well, what they found out is that the changeover will give someone who doesn't have magic powers magic powers. Right. But if you do it to someone who's already magically empowered, not only will it remove the powers, but it'll remove the effect of oh, any spell right. they have cast in their entire lifetime. That's a good James Bond plot there. Because That's crazy, though. It, it means that, like, they're assuming the goal might be get Harry, do perform the changeover ritual on him, undo the destruction of Voldemort. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't actually know that from any Dark Wizard's mouth, that that is the plan. And so we'll see whether that goes the way they're expecting it or whatever. It's the assumed plan at the it's moment. It's the assumed plan. Yeah. And the other main thing is just that there have been various pointed attacks on Harry and his department and people close to him. And George. And wrap people clo- oh, yeah. close ish to him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> on George, uh, Lupin gets poisoned with Wolfsbane. The, one of the de- spy department offices gets blown up, like, kind of thing. The department of where Laura works, which is like oh, South Pacific Laura Mag- works, Magic right. Association, oh, gets yeah. blown up. That's pretty crazy. And George gets teleported forward in time an hour. Yeah. Uh, and that, or back, back before it? Forward. He just like yeah. wakes up. It's an hour later, and yeah, which, yeah they learn con- that's something that yeah. Valera, what's her name, can do. No, which in context with those other two things seems kind of mild. <laughs> it, it seemed surprisingly mild. It's like when do you, I don't know, do hurt him or something? I wasn't sure what the point of. Why that would you was. show them that you, you can do this? Yeah. yeah, they learn it anyway. Though that's how that woman got out of the warded prison. You know, earlier in the fanfic, she kind of shows up to deliver a warning to the international spy type peoples and then disappear very, just to show that she can very villainous yeah so yeah. villainous and that's about the state of things where i at least have read through both of you are a little bit farther i feel like i'm dropping the ball here <laughs> but we are going to put our discussion on hold and in the spirit of this you know dramatic serialized suspense story we're going to find out what happens next time. Before wow. we do, do we have any predictions or things that we want to see happen? I think we're going to find out one of them has a twin. No way, that's George. <laughs> <laughs> if Fred showed up as like an evil wizard, I I would be surprised by that plot twist. Dom and I were talking before about how we would always read ahead in school mm-hmm. and like what we'd have to do to write down our predictions for the next chapter. It's just like, oh, I'm pretty sure i know exactly what's gonna happen next blah blah blah. i'm not gonna do that um i am sort of hoping that uh things like my main hope is that things between harry and hermione like get to a point where they actually discuss the repercussions of her relationship which i actually do think is gonna happen so well there's two more books after this if it doesn't happen in this one (laughs) 
I imagine that's got to happen sometime. You know, this author is so concerned with that relationship and people's feelings that, like, yes. there's got to be a processing somewhere. That's what I think is going to happen. And I'm excited for it because I feel like we don't have enough from them right now to, like, support their relationships. So. I just imagine it's going to be chock full of spy thrilling things through most of it. They're, they're not going to get that chance, I think. Mm. Yeah, that might be the case, too. Yeah. <laughs> I... I'm hoping for some more good plot twists, and I feel like I can expect that from this author, right? Mm -hmm. You were saying, Dom, and I agree. I hope that it's not, in the end, all about resurrecting Voldemort. Yeah. I, I hope that, like, there's some twist oh. there as well. I was going to say, my my prediction slash hope is that uh, this isn't even my final form. <laughs> <laughs> right. I didn't even think before about how limiting it, limiting it is to have Voldemort be not dead and be the villain again. Ugh. Uh, hopefully they, yeah, they do something creative with that, right? Yeah. Voldemort's, um, I was gonna say Voldemort's not always the villain in the books, but it's only book three that Voldemort's not the villain, that's it. And well, it's Peter Pettigrew in that book, so, yeah. like... That's Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the greater Voldemort company, Yeah, it's and true. Then, and Peter hmm. Pettigrew leaves to right. directly support Voldemort after that. Well, he does, yes. So, yeah. it, it's very, it's concerning and about Voldemort. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. So I'd say that's Voldemort. Yeah. We had to see like a change of pace, like a Harry Potter book where the villain is Doctor Doom sort of thing, <laughs> guest appearance. Well, it just would be nice to see a different villain for Harry Potter, you know? I'd... But I feel like this author might go that direction, like maybe not a different villain necessarily, but a different take on Voldemort. We'll uh, see. Wait a moment. Doctor Doom studied magic to try to, like, save his mother's soul from hell. <laughs> no. <laughs> who, who has written the Victor Von Doom goes to Hogwarts story as a child? Do you think he'd be a Slytherin? Oh, yeah, of course he'd be a Slytherin. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yes. I thought you were going to say Doctor Doom is Voldemort. Do you think no, be... Doctor Doom is not Voldemort, think... but he is a Slytherin. Do you think he'd be, he'd be a Hufflepuff? Mm-mm. <laughs> No, no, you got to firmly establish the genre of Victor Von Doom at Hogwarts fanfics before you can then put a twist in there and have Victor Von Doom at Hogwarts and oh he's a Hufflepuff. God. Yeah, I, I don't think Von Doom would go to Hogwarts. No. He'd probably go to Dumbstrang, the, the, You're right. the Slavic one. Uh, I would take Victor Von Doom at Durmstrang. Yeah. At Durmstrang, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I would read that. Me too. But what I'm actually reading is this fanfic, so uh, Paradigm of Uncertainty. Oh, I was going to say, I... I'm gonna throw like a random Hail Mary out there. Yeah. I want Draco to come back and be a I was guy. just thinking about Draco because it's, Draco, it's mentioned oh. in passing earlier that both Draco and his father kind of dropped off the face of the earth, right? In this story, um, Draco was on the Hogwarts Express, got on the train, and the train stopped and he was gone. That sounds like the kind Wait. of plot thing seeded early on that needs to come back, right? And later, sorry, mentioned that he heard through the evil grapevine that uh, Lucius's kid had died. Yeah, I thought Draco hmm. was dead. So, well, so we've that's heard what, that, so but that's we don't know is. that that is right. That's what the gossip is. We don't know that that's true. But what's the point of bringing Draco back? He's always just been a little shit. But what if he's not a little shit? I mean, what if he's a great. big shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing I, I liked about this is that uh, this takes place when they're like 26 or something. Yeah. Young yeah. adult. It's been a long time. But, so the fact is people can change a lot from when they're 12 or 13 to when <laughs> oh, they're totally. 26. So I, I, I enjoy that human growth thing yeah well and i liked that when harry found out that he was presumed dead i mean i just assumed that he actually was dead but you know maybe not um that he was like well you know he never liked him in school but they're older now and he never would have wished that for him so i, I, I was want, like yeah duh yeah. Like, 
I've got to say on that note, I do appreciate just the general vibe of the characters in this where you can draw a line, you can see the connection between 13-year-old Hermione, 13-year-old Harry, and 26-year-old Hermione and Harry, Mm -hmm. but they don't act like they're 13. No. And that's good. Like, they act like adults. And that's for most of the characters except Cho, but that's fine. (laughs) Well, I mean, Cho, there's no point A for Cho. Like, she was not a character at that point, you know? She was... She was a name. Yeah, I guess that's a good way to look at it, though. You know, this development is like... The characters are grown now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they're mid-twenties. They're not who they were when they were kids. And realizing that the author only had exposure to the first, what, four books? Three? Three books? And then four. So they were like like little kids. So it's uh, reasonable to understand them as completely different people. I still don't see a lot of personality in Harry... Which, I don't know, maybe I'm leaping into my criticism of the story here, if that's okay. No, you can criticize the story a bit. That I don't see a lot of personality in Harry. He's got a lot of angst, but not a lot of personality. I see Harry doing a lot of stuff, but not being a lot of stuff. Exactly. I hear ya. And I mean, it's more from Hermione's perspective than Harry's. Mm -hmm. I feel like Harry's a viewpoint character for the spy plot, and Hermione's a viewpoint character for the emotions is kind of what it feels like. But we do not, get not... Harry's perspective. It just doesn't give us, like, any emotional depth. Mm. I, I, it's just like, I'm thinking about this now, and Ron is dead, and now I am an action hero. I appreciate having Harry as a secondary character. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, no, that's not bad. Speaking of Harry as an action hero, Harry can punch people now. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's He seems very different, but, like, the explanation that he's older now, like, different person I mean, spy training 12, yeah <laughs> yeah he, he seems very different you know incidentally but that's okay he did not choose to be a spy he was drawn from a uh book four style like hat thing right like yeah. well they have like every they, they, they have a tarot deck spy yeah character where, where when they need a spy recruit they have the same magic that is on the sorting hat write mm-hmm. a name on the t- on the tarot card yeah it's great yeah or, or goblet of fire i mean does that too right it's just like Who's the spy we need? It's Harry Potter. Well, whatever. The Goblet of Fire picks one out of a bunch of... Oh, you had to put the names in the goblet. Yeah. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. right. Sorting hat. Yeah, I mean, if you can get divinatory magic working, uh, yeah, use that for a lot of things, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially on a very important high governmental level. <laughs> can you imagine instead of, you know, one of those, like, career surveys that, like, they try to make you do when you're youngish? It's just like... Uh, you're going to be most happy as a, you know, I don't know, Mandrake farmer. So go do that. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I'll go live a happy, satisfying life as a Mandrake farmer. Thank you, magic. Don't they scream? Yeah, yeah. well, you have, it takes certain skills. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's not my career path. I just want to put that out there. Well, have <laughs> no you Mandrake asked... Mandrake farming for me. Have you asked some kind of magic hat, Tori? You might not know. I may have asked one or two hats, not sure if they were magic, so <laughs> we'll see. Well, my current career path is someone who finishes reading The Paradigm of Uncertainty for next week, and I hope you all join us to find out what other plot twists we might have coming, or, and I guess something about feelings. Or, like, find our reaction to this fanfic that you read many, mm. many years ago. <laughs> more than likely, because yeah. so many more people have read this fanfic then listen yeah. to our podcast. Mm-hmm. So many. Really? I was kind of glad we recorded in advance so people can't spoil it for us. Yeah. That, yes, that is actually a good point. <laughs> oh, yeah, Tori. Like, I'm looking at, you know, this is just the hosting on Fiction Alley. That's not the only place this fanfic has been read, right? Yeah. Um, each of the chapters has 20,000 views, average. It, it's not like 
you know, I think it's bad or anything, and I, I haven't even gotten to the end of it. I, I think it's actually pretty well done. Um, you know, it was a big fish in a small pond for a while. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's pretty that's, well done. It's just it's not very right. Harry Potter genre. Well, you know, it's kind of like you said, spy transformative fiction. fiction. Yeah, yeah. You know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of really good parts to it. So, all right. Well, then we'll look forward to finishing it next time. As for this, oh, and by the way, you can find a link to the fanfic at bit.ly/rfrpou for Paradigm of Uncertainty. And that leads to all 15 chapters, not just the first half. You can read ahead and be prepared for next week, just like we are. That will be episode 79 next week, and this week was episode 78 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. Paradigm of Uncertainty, chapters 1 through 8, by Laurie, 2001 Fanfic. The intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair, off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, please send them our way. You can contact us on Twitter or Facebook or Tumblr at Retrofanfic, Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective. You can send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. And uh, we still check email. Mm-hmm. It's not all over into social media. We're old school, retro that way. Yes, in fact, I think we would be ten times more likely to respond to an email than any other social sort of media yeah, thing. I, I think I'd probably respond no, to most just things. Just kidding. What I don't respond to probably enough is those uh, comments on episodes in Apple Podcasts or their podcast review things. I, it's not really like a thread thing. I don't know what the etiquette is. Like, do you... <laughs> Do I post a comment on my own podcast to respond to somebody else's comment on the podcast? I, I think we just talked about it on know. the podcast. We just talk about it on the podcast. That's so yeah. weird. Let's just give out our personal phone numbers so they can text us. <laughs> That's right. 555. Well, even if we don't get back to you, we'll probably discuss such things such comments on the podcast like we have a few times. Yeah, and go ahead and follow the Twitter for a motto talking about fanfiction news and ideas. Fanfiction news and ideas and the best comments about having good ideas about fanfiction but then not actually writing them. And also comments on Sailor Moon. <laughs> and Sailor Moon, yeah. That's pretty much all I do on that Twitter. Yeah, that person but, uh, contacted you telling you, wanting to inform you that there was a music video that had Utna in it or something? Uh, yeah. Someone released, like, an actual music video. Wait, in the comments, too. Yeah, some singer-songwriter, whose name I've forgotten. Um, but let's pull that up, because everyone needs to know this. Oh, yeah. Actually, how about everybody just stops and goes to our Twitter right now? Yeah, sounds yeah. great. And also subscribe while you're there. <laughs> Stop listening to this episode to go to our Twitter. That and seems a little counterproductive. Don't forget to okay. ring that bell. <laughs> There's a bell? A YouTube thing. Subscribe and ring. Ah, uh, yes, there we are. My, my friend Tom from the Gundam podcast uh, Mobile Suit Breakdown sent a message saying that the latest Grimes music video. Grimes. Yeah, just straight up has Udin Eclipse in it. <gasps> I love Grimes. Oh, okay, I don't know Grimes. And I love her even more now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my and god, that's I mean, amazing. I, I watched I mean, of it because it of that. Was Grimes, I didn't but... know Grimes. 
But yeah, she's incredible. But the song is Idoru or something. I don't. I don't. I don't know. She had any new stuff out. So. Oh yeah, look into it. I will. I mean, it does not surprise me because she's very like um, her whole branding is like using some sort of anime cute girl lesbian aesthetic so doesn't surprise me at all okay um i find it a little bit appropriative but grimes music is also dope so yeah i mean my culture is revolutionary girl utina so i don't know how i feel about that huh we just need to revolutionize culture we'll do that next time Mm mm-hmm We'll revolutionize culture one podcast episode at a time. Oh, that's an exciting episode. <laughs> but for now, I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. And we're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Here he's like. I hate doing that in school, like overreading. Yeah. Worksheets, like, what do you oh think? my gosh. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is uh, going to happen next chapter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they're going to break Piggy's glasses and then they're going to roast a pig. <laughs> and I think that because uh, I'm so smart. I don't <laughs> I know. <guess> good. <laughs> I would just tell the teacher, I'd be like, I already finished the book. What should I write here? Or I would just like pretend I didn't know. <laughs> or I would write on the worksheet, I already read to the end. Here's what happened. Uh, I know. But at the time, I didn't realize that, like, prediction is a big important, is an important piece of, like, the education, right? And oh. The processing of the book. At the time, I was just like, I'm an overachiever because I read it all. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. I normally don't try to predict stuff. I mean, sometimes I do predict stuff, but that's not, that's passive more than active. I mean, with literature and, like, the way we teach English, uh, not just English, like, everything, being able to, like, using prediction as a way to not only, like, enforce what you've already read, but a way to, like, creatively envision the text or envision what's happening. So I think it's a really important piece of learning. I intellectually understand that. And you engage with it more. Yeah. Emotionally, I think I don't have to predict it because it's already happened and you just have to experience it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, but I, hmm. and the experience is more important than what you invent beforehand, right? Yeah, I mean, I also think that we all, like, inadvertently, when we read books, predict anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're just not thinking about it. Right. So it's all about just, like, writing down the prediction and being aware of what your assumptions were, in my opinion. I think in my life I spend too much time trying to predict what's going to happen, and that's kind of a holdover from um, hmm. childhood PTSD. Trying to figure out sure, yeah. what's going to happen so I can avoid it and be safe. Mm-hmm. And I'd read things in order to enjoy not having to do that. Oh, that's a very interesting perspective. Um, <laughs> in my mind, I'm not sure how related like the two are for a lot of people. 
but if like the prediction itself gives you anxiety then i completely understand that. well it's just the necessity the necessity uh what's the word necessity of being in an analytical frame of mind for long periods of time you know Ah. So that's something I enjoy. <laughs> I mean, like, literally, like, I analyze everything, and I enjoy doing no, I, it. I enjoy so. doing it doing it for fun. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoy stuff like Shogi and th- things like that, because it's fun to think like that for fun, where there's mm-hmm. no possibility of negative consequences. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's even more than that for me. It's literally, like, analyzing things is who I am and what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like, I feel like it's like at the core of my being just to constantly be analyzing every possible thing. And it gives me like a pure delight. It's like the essence of me. Like I, I do that also, but I think I do it more in retrospect than Hmm. uh, predictive. Than prediction. Yeah. I, 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 that's really interesting. I, I work better chewing up stuff I've experienced rather than trying to guess what will happen. That's a really good point. And no, I think sorry to subject you to this then. I relate to that. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> no, I, mean, I like that perspective. I relate to it because I also felt the same way about the predictive exercise that it's a little bit useless.